evening. Uh, I am Alexandra Shulman, and I am editor of Vogue. And I say those words very deliberately because what I wanted to talk about tonight was the fact that I'm not going to be editor of Vogue very soon, and what it's going to be like, or the journey of kind of exploring what it's like to, I suppose, separate from what you've been for as long as I've been this person. And um, I'm not quite sure who Alexandra Shulman is going to be after 25 years of being editor of Vogue. And I'm not sure what it will be like to be without something that obviously has become very much part of my identity, even though I don't feel that way. Um, and so I think the title of this talk was Inside Vogue, but actually it's really about outside Vogue. Um, last year was the centenary year of Vogue. Uh, 2016, the magazine was launched in 1916. Uh, in the middle, oddly enough, of the First World War. And um, 100 years seemed to be a, a sort of very good opportunity for my bosses to think that they could make lots of money um, and also to try and attract uh, new readers to the magazine and generally kind of celebrate uh, Vogue in, in every way. And so sort of for about 10 years before that, there'd been kind of rumblings about what are you gonna do you know, Alex, for the centenary. And I kept saying, well, I don't know, it's not gonna be my problem because I'm not gonna be there at the centenary. Um, and then as the years went by, it was sort of looming larger and larger and closer and closer. And I realized I was going to be there for the centenary. And um, so I had to start thinking about what, what we would do to celebrate uh, Vogue's 100th birthday. And we had a fantastic year. We had an exhibition at the National Portrait Gallery, which, though I say it myself, was absolutely wonderful. I mean, I didn't curate it, so I'm able to say it was brilliant. Um, we had uh, the Duchess of Cambridge kindly agreed to be on the cover of our centenary issue. We had, for better or worse, a two-part uh, BBC Two television <laughs> documentary made about us and all kinds of kind of parties and celebration. And um, I was kind of aware of the fact that this was probably going to be quite stressful for me. So I decided that one way around it or to help myself really um, was to keep a diary. And particularly because of the television program, which I knew I would have absolutely no control over um, what would appear. So I thought, well, if I'm writing down my side of the story throughout it, at least I'll sort of feel kind of something empowered or something like that. Um, and also, I have no memory, absolutely no memory at all. Um, and people don't believe this, but, but I don't. When they say, tell us something interesting about the last 25 years of Vogue, I can't think of a single interesting thing that's happened. So I thought, I cannot just let this year go by and not remember it all. Um, so I decided to write it down, and then I also knew myself well enough to know that I wouldn't have the discipline to do it if um, somebody wasn't giving me a book contract to do it. So um, very luckily, uh, Fig Tree, my publisher, gave me a contract, and there we are. 
So, um, but one of the side effects of, of writing Inside Vogue was, uh, which I hadn't anticipated, it was that it actually sort of really helped me decide to leave Vogue. Um, and seeing my year parceled up between hard covers and also even seeing the subtitle of the book, which is um, A Diary of My Hundredth Year, um, <laughs> made me realize that there was possibly a sort of a degree of identification um, with this ancient magazine that I hadn't actually realized that I was, was feeling and that perhaps it was time to think about, about moving on. I mean, I find it quite hard to even say moving on. Um, so, since making that decision, I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about what the job, my job means to me, but also what everyone's job really, if they've had it for a long time, and particularly if they are part of um, a brand, for, for lack of a better word, um, what it means when you have to separate and you know how inter how codependent do you sort of become on each other and in the case of uh, glossy magazines I think there's a particularly strong kind of tie between the person in charge and the magazine in terms of the perception of the public and I suspect that's in part because when people buy magazines they buy them obviously for the content of the magazine, but they also buy them um, slightly as a way of a kind of a self-endorsement that you are the type of person who buys that type of magazine. So you're the type of person that buys the New Yorker and keeps them all in the bathroom. Um, or you're the type of person who buys Vogue um, at 16 and carries on till you're 70 because that's the kind of person I am, I buy Vogue. Or you're the kind of person who buys um, the world of interiors because you're kind of interested enough in how people live in gypsy caravans in Siberia and you're not just about the Smeg fridge. Um, and so I think when you're, when you're in charge of a magazine, you sort of also become a, a kind of extension of that thing that, that people are identified with identify with. But I thought about myself that I'd always managed to keep quite a distance between the two. So instead of it being a kind of umbilical cord, I guess I'm more of a kind of guardian of Vogue. Um, or I suppose a kind of conductor of the orchestra of Vogue. But then that slightly has its kind of downside, um, particularly when people say, uh, gosh, you're editor of Vogue. Um, you don't look like editor of Vogue. <laughs> and I say, well, um, yeah, I know I don't look like editor of Vogue, and I, 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 I know that. Lots of people have said that, actually. Um, but oddly enough, I've been editor of Vogue for 25 years, so you know, I'm always curious to know what editor of Vogue looks like if it's not me. Um, of course, I know what you're all thinking, which is that, well, what people think the editor of Vogue looks like is, is Anna Winter. Um, but actually, Anna also inherited this idea of what an editor of Vogue should look like, because, in fact, there's been this kind of uh, perception of them since probably the 1950s, really, as being these sort of fashion-mad, 
um, very kind of cold, impersonal, ruthless characters, which one's seen actually in sort of novels and, um, and films forever. Anyway, um, so Inside Vogue, my diary, was also a kind of attempt to try and say that actually you could be editor of Vogue and be a different kind of person and to show what that person is. Um, and I particularly liked writing about the kind of high-low mix in it so that um, I do have a life or have had a life, life I'm about to give up, filled with kind of glamorous people and parties and flowers and designer clothes and everything. But I also have the life that we all have, which is, you know, having to deal with families and pets and houses and all of the kind of dilemmas of daily life. And so things like on the night of the um, gala um, party that I was hosting at the end of May last year, and I was rushing home after, after a day in the office and checking the seating plan and people were dropping out. And I'd actually just asked the caterers to move all the furniture in the tent round because I didn't like the way it was looking. And I was very, very stressed about everything and my speech that night. And I get home and David, who I live with, is literally crouching on the floor in the hallway as I walk in through the door as if something really terrible has happened. And I say, what's the matter? And he's there and he's looking at the hot water system. And he says, well, um, the boiler's broken and we don't have any hot water. Um, if anyone has already read the book, they will know that the boiler breaks continually throughout, <laughs> throughout this year, and it's kind of like, how can you not get your boiler fixed? But anyway, so on this night when actually, you know, I've got to look my very best, and I'm getting ready to put on £90,000 borrowed SJ Phillips diamond earrings, and my hair's all been done, I'm actually having to sort of wash with the neighbour's kettle being boiled, because <laughs> our kettle doesn't work either, and... Uh, saucepan on the hob of, of hot water and so um, it's those kind of details that um, that I actually like about the book but also I sort of wanted to bring in to show that you could um, be a magazine editor and have have a normal life um, but memoir and, and diary of every kind I think um, involves a kind of negotiation that you have to do with yourself which is to, to which is about this question of how much are you as an individual able to write about the brand and the other people that are part of your life. And I know often when people write memoirs about their family, it kind of ends uh, very acrimoniously because, in a way, who are you to have ownership of the story? Who are you to have ownership of the memories? And particularly if you're writing a lot about a magazine where you've got, well, in my case, I've got 50 people I work with and um, a lot of contributors and um, clearly not everybody remembers everything the way I did or even um, remembers saying things. For instance, Bailey, David Bailey, who um, is a bit of a sort of long-running thorn in my side in the, in the book, um, did, uh, handed me in a set of pictures which I really didn't like and he said if I didn't choose the ones that he wanted then he wouldn't give me the other ones that I did want so um, I said you know I, uh, that was most unfortunate and I just did think that they were kind of rather unattractive 
And he said, well, you know, people thought that Picasso's women were unattractive. And I said, well, yeah, but Bailey, you're not Picasso. Um, and anyway, and I saw him a few months you know, after the book was published and uh, went up to him and clasped him warmly to my bosom. He said, I never said that thing about Picasso. I never likened myself to Picasso. But I know he did because I ran down immediately and wrote it immediately afterwards. Um, anyway, what, what, um, in terms of the diary, what I did realise is that actually my colleagues probably are the people who least like the book. Um, and I realized that that probably is because they don't feel I've told the story that they would have told or um, the experience isn't the experience that that had. I don't think it's so much about the fact they didn't like what I said about them, but it's much more just kind of like, oh, I don't know, she sort of got that wrong. Um, anyway, now I'm trying to write something which is um, about the whole business of sort of unpackaging myself, I suppose, from from this famous job and and this role and, and this fantastic magazine that I've been lucky enough to be in charge of for 25 years. Um, but I've got absolutely no idea whether I'm going to have anything interesting to say when I'm Alexandra Shulman and I'm not editor of Vogue. So thanks for listening to me. Thank you.